What a blessing this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at Acts chapter 8. I'm going to take you to Colossians in just a moment also at another passage of Scripture. But I think it's interesting as we're thinking about Acts chapter 8 and then lining it up with what the, the church needs to do and uh, continuing on with what needs to happen with the church. Uh, we need to keep our focus uh, through times like this. I wrote here as far as the introduction, nothing will make the church more real than persecution. Uh, and during times of persecution and opposition, the Holy Spirit seems to work and to guide uh, more than during times of peace and prosperity. And the truth and reality go hand in hand, and people that are more real will be more honest. And when we're talking about being real, we're going to have to go back to what is really true, okay? And so if I make you upset this morning, my intention is not to. I just want to bring out some understandings that uh, this cancel culture uh, that we're living in today is not true. It is twisted. They are actually telling us lies. And it's, what's, what's sad about it is that people are living their lives in that particular lie, and uh, making decisions upon it. And I think that when it comes to the church, what we need to do is direct people back to what the scriptures are saying and to be guided by really godly people, but also the Holy Spirit working within so that we know this is the right decision. If you look at in our text, verse 31, and he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? Uh, how can I do that? I don't know what's going on. I need someone to show me what this is actually saying. And he goes on to say, who is this? This is an incredible passage of scripture, but when it comes to critical race theory that is out there also being presented, and now they're making laws where we have to shut down cancel culture, we have to shut down critical race theory, what they're basically saying is we have to look at the issue through God's eyes and be wise in our decisions. That's what, we're, that's what we're saying. We're not going to believe the lie. We're not trying to pick on anybody. We have an issue today that we need to look at a person's character and not the color of their skin. And so if you go back to basically the truth of Martin Luther King Jr., he was telling it like it was, is that the character of the... Now they're actually determining what they should do based upon the color of your skin. And so they're saying, well, if you're a white business owner, you don't get as much as a Mexican business owner or a black business owner. And so that's a lie. It's, it's all part of the, the web that's out there. And so I want to push the reset button and bring us back into an understanding of reality. Now, let me just give an illustration here, okay? There's a golfer that was, had a horrible game. He was playing so badly that he went to see a psychologist. And so he told him that to relax by playing around with a golf ball, but, but be careful, do everything you can to golf without a real ball. Do everything you would normally do, but don't use a real one. Use an imaginary ball advised the psychiatrist. The golfer tried the, tried the next day. He stepped up to the tee, and he imagined that he got a 260-yard drive, made a fine approach shot to the green, then he putted for a par. He felt so good about himself. He didn't really have a ball, but he was feeling good about himself. He, the round went splendidly, and as he approached the 18th hole, he met another golfer playing the same way with no ball. And the other golfer had seen the same psychiatrist. 
They decided to play the last hole together. But they put out a bet. They said, I bet I can have a better outcome than you. The first golfer swung at his imaginary ball, and he announced that it would go on 280 yards right down the middle of the fairway. The second golfer matched his drive. The first fellow then took out his five iron, and then after he's swinging it at the imaginary ball, he just yelled out, look at that shot. It went right over the pin. And then it reversed itself on its spin, and it went right back into the hole. I win. No, you didn't, because you used my ball. It's like living with people today. It's like trying to tell people what's really true and what's needed, and then they're out there thinking that something is imaginary. Most of the things that you're hearing out there in news today is not really the way it's happening. And we've got to go back and say, Lord, help me to be able to discern. Truth and reality are needed both in the secular world, but also it's needed in the sacred world. We need to have truth in the streets. We need to have wisdom in the streets. Luke chapter 11, verse number 2, And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. And so we need to have the wisdom of God here on this earth still. God's will is that we live and walk in truth. And God's will is that we love and worship in truth and in spirit and in truth. And walking and worshiping in the truth will bring peace and joy to the people around you. And it'll bring peace to your heart. Second John chapter 1, verse number 4 says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in the truth. And as we have received a, a, a commandment from the Father... 3 John, verse number 4, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so remember that half truth is a lie. And we got to remember that. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 6, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. And he that is not of God heareth not us. And hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so when error comes, we can hear it. And by the way, it's okay to open up your mouth. It's okay to say something when you know that something is not true. I think that if we don't do something, then then, then truth will be set aside. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 5 says, To whom we have place by subjection or submission, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 5. For the hope which he had laid up uh, for you in heaven, whereof you heard before the word of truth, the word of truth of the gospel. And so when we're talking about the world needing truth, we're knowing that the world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. Why do we have church? To preach the gospel. I think you look at this particular situation here in this text and how that he desired to be able to do something. In verse number 35 of the text, look at your Bibles. It says, and then Philip opened his mouth. That was the first thing he did was to open his mouth widely. I I think it's important for us to do the same. He opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Uh, What scriptures? The scriptures he was reading out of the book of Isaiah. 
And he all had the Old Testament at that time, and he's reading about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and whom uh, is it speaking about in the text? And he's able to show them. Look what it talks about here. Um, what's interesting to me is the Spirit of God working in Philip's life. If you look at verse number 26, it says, The angel of the Lord. Um, so you have the angel of the Lord actually spake to Philip. Pretty powerful verbiage, if you would. But also then, verse number 29, then the Spirit said unto Philip. And so, my goodness, Philip had a lot of encouragement. He had the the angel of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord working. And I think it's important for us to understand that there, there is what we would call the messenger of truth. The angel of the Lord would be the, end, the, the, the messenger of truth. In the passage, uh, I think it's important for us as pastors to make sure that we are speaking the truth. I know we need to speak it in love. That's the proper, the proper position, but the proper disposition. And uh, I've often said, even recently, that someday God's going to allow me to be a good pastor because I'm learning how to love in a better way. But I know it's important for us to go back to the truth of his word and to remember that the truth needs to be getting out. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse number 19, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said. So the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. We mentioned there Acts chapter 7, verse number 30, of course, speaking of the Old Testament. And when the 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. In Acts chapter 10, verse number 3, it saw a vision, evidently about the ninth hour uh, of the day, an an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, in Acts chapter 12, verse number 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and he raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and the chains fell off from his hands. It's interesting when the messenger of the Lord when somebody brings the truth of the gospel, what happens to people's hearts. And I think it's important for us to remember that God is active in the angel of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord continues to work in the book of Acts and continues to work today. Acts chapter 12, verse number 23, immediately the angel of the Lord spoke, smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and he gave up the ghost. Interesting, verse number 27, I I mean 23 of Acts 27, and there stood by me this night the angel of God, and this is Paul speaking, whose I am and whom I serve. And so the angel was a messenger of truth. The angel was a messenger of truth. The angel has relationship. We see that in in Philip in verse number 26. We see that the angel, of course, communicates, and the angel is saying unto him, and the angel then gives direction. He's saying, go toward this particular place. And so we see that there is a messenger of truth in the passage. We also see that there is a man of truth. That's Philip himself. He was a deacon. I, I love it to see people that desiring the position of a deacon, Uh, A godly deacon can be more effective than any preacher. Uh, An effective deacon who stays the course and continues to serve God through thick and thin will establish and be a pillar of the church. And I really believe that it is the simple man in the pew that will strengthen the average Christian far better than any preacher or any evangelist can ever do by his faithfulness to the Lord and staying the course. The Bible talks about Philip here being this man of truth. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, 
And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorius, and Nicnaer, and Taman, and Perimenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, speaking of these particular deacons within the local church that would be able to take care of the affairs of the ministry and the church needs so that the apostles then could continue to study the scriptures and to be in prayer and to be focused upon what God is giving to these men so that they can continue to take care of the scriptural needs within the local church. Pretty powerful. Philip was willing and he was obedient. We see that in verse number 27. Look what it says. It says, And when he arose, he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopian eunuch, of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge over all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Look at verse number 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read uh, the prophet uh, Isaiah and said, understand what you're reading. Now, I'll tell you, this particular story is actually a man that is actually a person who is desiring to, to go forth and to take the truth. He was a man of truth. And Philip, if you think about it, he immediately gets up in the first verse we read, verse number 27, after he's told what to do. He actually arose and went. There was an action that took place with his faith. He didn't just stay there. There was a desire to go forward. What's interesting to me, in verse 30, he kind of increases in it. And it says, and Philip ran thither to him. So as soon as he saw the person that he believed God wanted him to go to, his desire was to run to him fast. He, he's, I want to get to him. Uh, you know, it's important. I've got the truth. I, I, I've had the messenger of truth come, and, and now I'm a man of truth, and I've been chosen to be a deacon, and now I see this particular individual that needs my help. I'm going to run to the need. I see the need, and I want to meet the need. What a powerful thing to think about this particular man. Barnes writes this, Philip had been employed in Samaria, as God now intended to send the gospel to another place, he gave a special direction to Philip to go and to convey it. It is evident that God designed the conversation of this eunuch and directed to Philip shows how he accomplishes his designs. And it is not by a miracle, but by the use of means. It is not by direct power without truth, but it is by a message fitted to the end. The salvation of a single sinner is an object worthy the attention of God. And when son a sinner is converted, it is because God forms a plan or a purpose to do it. When it is done, he inclines his servants to labor. He directs their laborers. Uh, he leads his ministers. He prepares the way, as we see in Acts chapter 8, verse number 28, for the reception of of the truth. Look at verse number 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Now he's desiring to worship. Let me just tell you something. Worship can't save you. <laughs> Everyone say, well, come and worship. Then they crank up the music and they sway back and forth. That, that there's no salvation in that. You've got to have the word of God. You've got to have the truth of God. You've got to have the man of God, or I should say the person of God, pointing to the gospel. And it's got to be the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus took our sin upon him. Yes. 
There's, there's nothing, uh, uh, um, uh, what should I say, too intellectual about the message. It's simple. He died for your sins. You cannot save yourself. You need Jesus Christ and you need the gospel. And so Philip knew that. He ran to the chariot. And talk about creepy friendly. I mean, think about that. You ever see two guys in a chariot? A chariot are not that big, unless, it's, unless the Amish built it. Maybe it'd be bigger. But if you think about this as you're walking by, perhaps, and heading to the well to get water, and you look over at a chariot, and here this Ethiopian eunuch is in there, and Philip's in there. And they got some kind of parchments, and they're reading together. And you think, what's going on there? They're having church in a chariot? How can this be? Philip was faithful to God, and he used him to lead the Ethiopian to Christ, and how powerful the message. Then you needed the Spirit of God, and I want you to know that you have to have the, the, the person of God, if you would, the truth of God. You've got to have the Word of God, but you must also have the Spirit of God. No man comes to the Father lest the Spirit draw him. You know, there needs to be somebody that will actually acknowledge the Spirit of God uh, within them, and then, and then be able to use the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to be able to lead that person to God. And you never know when it's going to happen. You have to always be ready. We had a graduation party yesterday, and it was a blessing to be around family, and some of the family are religious, and some of them have a relationship, and there's a difference between the two. And, and I'm not trying to be uh, a, the, this, this great a person, I, I just want to have a brat and and enjoy the potato salad, the, the noodles with a little bit of crabs in it, crab meat in it, you know, and and have you know some some chips and maybe some Dr Pepper Zero that doesn't have any sugar in it, you know. And I'm sitting across uh, my wife's aunt, and she begins to explain to me that she wishes she could go to church. And I notice that there's tears in her eyes. I just want to be around people that, that know God. I'm thinking, wow, what an opportunity to share the gospel with her. I thought, this is of God. The Spirit of God is already working. You know when the Spirit of God is there. It's not you and your personality or your knowledge. It is the Spirit of God in the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that I did, I said, you know, congratulations to the graduates yesterday. There was two of them. But the greatest thing I could have ever done was sit across from that woman who got tender-eyed and give her the truth that you've been in religion, but you need a relationship with Jesus. And I had another uh, couple sitting next to me, older couple, that are Catholics, and they were listening. And I was kind of expressing myself kind of loudly, to be honest with you. Because I want the whole garage to know that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. You can hang on to your religion, but you'll be lost. There are a lot of religious people in hell this morning. You need Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Fly to him if you have to. Run to him. If you can't run, then somehow have somebody get you in a wheelchair and come to Christ. Because he will save you. How important it is that we would... Just push the reset button on the gospel of Jesus Christ in these days. I think that COVID was a good thing. 
because it got us back to where we need to be. We got too fancy, too, 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 too focused on the peripherals. God help us. Allow the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth to work. In verses 29 through 31, we see the Holy Spirit of truth. I think it's interesting, and I read the verse already in verse number 29. It says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near. Join thyself to this chariot. I want you to go. Oh, what if Philip would have said, Well, I'm just kind of scared, you know? Uh, what if Philip would have said, well, I just, I just want some more training first. Don't you think I should go to a seminar? Seriously, we could have another soul winning seminar. People get all excited. Let's just have another class on soul winning. No, we just need to go and do it. The first thing you can do is just say, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Give him your testimony. And take him to John 3.16. Lead him to Jesus. It's simple. You see, you don't need more skill. You just need more obedience to God, more willingness to get the gospel out. You say, well, I'd like to learn how to do this, and I'd like to be involved. Then, then put some action to it. At 1030 next Saturday morning, be here, and God will show you and give you some time. The Bible says in John 14, verse number 17, speaking of the Holy Spirit and this being the spirit of truth, The Bible says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, and neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. The spirit of God living in you. Wow, how powerful. The Bible says in John 15, verse number 26, and when the comforter is come, whom I send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, verse number 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever shall you shall hear, he shall hear that he shall speak, and he will show you the things to come. The Spirit of God. And by the way, you have that holy unction, the Bible says in 1 John, or that Holy Spirit living within you. The Holy Spirit will help you in times to say, I shouldn't do that. But the Holy Spirit will say, this is what you need to do. So the Spirit spoke and gave specific instructions. Go near and attach, join thyself. Think about how that he got up into that chariot. And how would you feel if you were sitting in your car and you were reading the Bible and someone just got in the car and says, Want me to explain it to you? Be kind of freaky, wouldn't it? But it happened. It was really somewhat of a miraculous communication from the Spirit, such as frequently directed the labors of inspired men that were moved by the Spirit of God, even to give us the Word of God. The object of it was the same as the angel's visit, to bring the preacher and the subject of the conversation face to face. Dear friends, if there's ever been a need to talk about Jesus it is today. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be out and working in places or people will see me, hey, Pastor Howell. 
I walk over to them, you know, and t- shake their hand. I say, you can just call me Dean, you know. But it won't be too long when I'll start talking about the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he, the Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. F.B. Meyer said this. It's the king's business that I'm involved in. There are two ways of traveling on the continent. In the first, you do everything for yourself and you obtain your ticket. And then you look after your luggage and then you find your seat in the carriage and you ask at least three porters whether you are right. And if you have an imperfect knowledge of the language, you have an, a perpetu- perpetually an uneasy sense that perhaps you were wrong. There is another method of, of foreign travel. You employ a tourist agency which obtains your ticket, sees your comfort, gives you the precise direction and provides for you where you're necessary with a conductor and everything that you waited for uh, is there and everyone greets you. And in this, we have an apt illustration of an easier way to travel to heaven. Be at rest in indwelling with the inworking power of the Holy Spirit as you open up your heart and you don't grieve him. He will lead you in the way so that you can get to heaven and an easy road by following the Spirit of God. One man said that as the blood of Christ is the fountain of all merit, so the Holy Spirit is the fountain of all spiritual life. And until he quickens us and imparts the principle of divine life to our soul, we can put forth no vital act of faith to lay hold upon Jesus. It has got to be the Spirit of God working within you. And dear Christian, if you have been at places even last night that your feet shouldn't have gone to, if you've touched things that you should have not touched, the same feet that are going to be touching the streets of gold, the same hands that will touch the master someday, if you have done things you shouldn't have done and you feel the guilt and you feel the shame, then deal with that. Take it to the Lord. He is a forgiving God. Allow the Holy Spirit, his divine way within your own heart. Say yes to him. And you say, well, I don't, try, I don't run around with people who even chew tobacco. I do all this good stuff. Well, listen to me. Down deep in your heart, if you have jealousy or if you have unforgiveness, if you have hatred towards somebody, you're just as guilty as the drinker at the bar. Holy Spirit, light divine, shine within this heart of mine. Chase the shades of night away. Turn my darkness into day. So we needed all of these things concerning the truth, but we also need the word of truth. That's verses 32 to 35. Of course, it says, In the places of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. Listen to this. And in this humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, speaking of Jesus Christ, for his life is taken from the earth. And the the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, I ask you, of whom speaks the prophet of this, himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. 
What a powerful passage. The Bible really is the place of scriptures. Isaiah 53, verses number 7 and 8 says that he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. It's speaking of Jesus. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of the people was he stricken. The Bible is the word of truth. The Bible is the word of truth every single time. Psalm 119 gives us that understanding and take not the, the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thine judgments. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 7, is by the word of truth, the power of God, by the armor of the righteous on the right hand and on the left. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that not, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. James chapter 1, verse number 18 says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we would be a kind of first fruits. And so we understand that the scriptures are and is the word of truth. And the word of truth is the gospel. I mentioned to you this already, but in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse number 13, it says, In whom you also trusted after you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel of your salvation is the word of truth. The word of truth is Jesus Christ. Someone said this, a commentator said that the angel of the Lord spake and the Holy Spirit said, Now it was time for Philip to open his mouth. And the further process of truth was easily traced as Philip opens up item after item of prophecy and he opens its fulfillment in Jesus. And in eyes of the eunuch began to penetrate the scriptures, began to focus upon the word of God until at last he sees a flood of heavenly light where all was darkness before and his eyes were opened because somebody had enough desire to explain the word of truth to him. For he sees the wondrous glory of the suffering Savior beaming from the inspired page which lies in him, on him, lies before him. This is affected not only by an abstract influence of the Spirit, enabling him to understand what was before obscure, but by the aid of a fellow man, providentially sent to him for the purpose of leading him to Jesus Christ. What a powerful thing. Let me lead you away from philosophy this morning for a moment. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Because when we're talking about critical race theory, and we're talking about cancel culture, those are philosophies that people have bought into. Your thinking and your actions go hand in hand. So the thinking process, what you believe about God, determines where you're going. If you, if you have a philosophy about life, that's one thing. You think, well, it's, it's a pretty good philosophy. Philosophy is not truth. Never will be. Philosophy are, is actually written down because of presuppositions thinking process because you have experienced certain things, so this is what you believe. What you have as far as your philosophy is concerned is completely different than what the truth of the Word of God is. Here's the problem. For anybody that has rejected the Word of God, all they have left is their philosophy. 
And you cannot get to heaven based upon philosophy. So this culture is is full of seducing spirits to draw people away from the scriptures, away from the word of God, to put them in line with the worldly philosophies so that they would actually believe the philosophies of this world, which would cause more damnation and more destruction to those that believe it. And so the care really from Paul was this to the church Colossae. In Colossians chapter 2, verse number 1, he says, For I would that you knew what great concern or conflict. He was so concerned that it was conflicted. And I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for many have not seen my face in the flesh. That their hearts might be comforted or encouraged being knit together in love and in all the riches of the fullness assurance of, of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of this world. Listen to what he says in verse number four. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you. The word beguile means to dilute you or give you a half-truth with enticing words, that though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And as you have therefore received Christ, the Lord, so walk ye in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. But please do this, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Vain means empty, without void. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, the answer is going to go back to the scriptures to say, I reject any kind of philosophy that removes Jesus Christ or the God of heaven. I cannot accept that. I accept the word of God. And if I'm the only one in the classroom, I want to have my Bible with me. If I'm the only one at the workplace, I want to know the truth. If I'm the only one that takes a stand in this culture going the other direction, if I'm the only one, give me Jesus and give me my Bible, I can endure. So can you. How is your relationship with him? Do you love him? Do you, do you care for him? You feel like you're all alone? <laughs> By the way, there are a lot of people feeling that way today. There are a lot of people feeling sick. I don't know whether to give the shots. I don't know whether to wear a mask. I don't know whether to believe this. I don't know whether to stay six feet up. I don't know what to do. Go to the Lord and make sure your relationship with him is right. There was this great convert of truth, and truth converted him. I want to read this to you, and I'll close. It was written by Dr. R.A. Torrey, a great evangelist. Tell what an awful unbeliever he was as a young man. Maybe you've never heard about how horrible he was. I've read a lot of his books. He even wrote one before his time as far as concerning counsel. Um, Gives an illustration of kind of being a psychiatrist, if you would, to somebody in that day. They came to him and 
he just said, why don't you just go give some groceries to somebody and then pass all three tracks and then come back and see me. Because someone who's self-absorbed is going to be thinking that they're going crazy. <laughs> You're put here for others. But this particular man, when he was a young man, was a horrible. How he went to the deepest depths of infidelity, this is his own words, and scouted everything, pushed away everything, the Bible, Christ, God, heaven, hell, immorality, immortality, everything like that. His mother yearned after him and pleaded and prayed for him. And finally, he said to his mother, I'm tired of it all. I'm going to leave and not be bothered anymore by any of this. And you'll not see me anymore. So she followed him to the door and followed him down to the gate, pleading and praying and loving and weeping. And then she said her final words, son, when you come to the darkest hour of all, Everything seems lost and gone. If you will honestly call upon your mother's God, he will help you. Deeper down he went, finally into a hotel room, unable to sleep, wearied with his sins and wearied about his life and upset about the decisions he made. He said, I will get up out of this bed and I'm going to take my gun there and end my life. As he got out of his bed, an incredible feeling came over him. And his mother's words came back, Son, when you're at your darkest hour, of all comes, and everything seems lost, call in sincerity upon your mother's God, and he will help you. He fell beside his bed and said, Oh, God, God of my mother, is there such a being? I want light If thou will give it, no matter how, I will follow it. He had a light within a few minutes. And he hastened back home, greeted his mom, hugged her, and said, Oh, I love the Lord now. His mother said, Oh, my boy, I knew you were coming home. You have found the Lord. And God told me so in his heart, in my heart. I think it's important for us to remember that there are going to be people that come to their end and then there's God and he will lead, he will provide and for the second Sunday in a row our men are dealing with a young man who's 30 that was shining like a light this morning as I got here. He's been in the homeless shelter all week but I was able to just put my arm around him this morning and say, you made a good decision of coming to Grace Baptist Church this morning again. Amen? How somehow God's providential care led him to this church last Sunday morning. In his weariness and in his thinking, he said there must be something more. And he cried out to God. was in someplace near water, I believe it was in Georgia or Florida at the time. This morning he said, you know what, I got stuff down there and I don't even care. I've got about $10,000 worth of stuff down there, but I got a new life now, a new life in the Lord. God gave him a second opportunity because God is in the business of of people being born again. And God gave him, he's a new creature now in Christ. 
But let me tell you something. He walks into the homeless shelter and says, is the Episcopal Church having services today? And they said, yes, online. So he stayed with the computer for a while. You ever try to get into something and it just doesn't work out? You get frustrated. He went to the lady again and says, I just don't know what to do. Is there anybody having services? And they said, there's going to be a guy that will pull up a van here in a few minutes that says Grace Baptist Church. And if you go with him, they go to a church life service. He walked out, and there was Tom Trow. And brought him here last Sunday morning. And he got saved. And now they're taking him further. He wants to get baptized. I showed him the, the tank early. I was actually preparing him. I showed him how to turn all the lights on. Try to show him a little bit more of what the, what the church needs here, you know, and so on. Because I really believe he's going to be here a long time. See, I see him and picture him where he needs to be. You know, we need to picture people like that. Not where they are, but where God wants them to be. The Ethiopian eunuch was met by Philip, the evangelist. What a story. A young man named Michael met Tom. What a story. As Tom led him through the scriptures last Sunday morning, and the light went on, and he said, Yes, Lord, yes. Have your will and have your way. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Has it been a long time since you've been stirred in your heart? Has it been a long time since you've had that burning within? I call it spiritual heartburn. Oh, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the way? How long has it been? Huh? Maybe God's speaking to you today. This is an old-fashioned altar. You can come. Maybe it's just as simple as saying, here I am, Lord, renew my mind and my heart. Bring me to that place where I'm revived again. Then come. But maybe you've never given Jesus your heart. Maybe you've never understood that it's not just God. It's let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Now also believe in me. Jesus is expressing the need of going further than just God to Jesus. And you can't go any further than Jesus. He is God. And maybe you've never done that and opened your heart to Jesus. Why don't you do that today? Maybe you need to be baptized. Become a member of grace. Just come. Let's have an invitation. Would you please stand? No one looking around this morning. Let's have an invitation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and in Jesus' name. Amen.